Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew 18, Jesus gave us the parable of the unmerciful servant. In verse 33, he declared, quote, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Do you have a lifestyle of showing increasing mercy to all those who have wronged you or have spoken poorly of you or betrayed you or acted selfishly toward you? Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 18 that we might learn the absolute necessity of living a life of growing forgiveness. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching. It's a Tuesday morning here in Texas and uh, wow, it is a really good morning to be uh to be loving on Jesus, to be talking about Jesus, to be learning from Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We are, uh, <clears throat> all right, we're doing the, the last teaching today. Thank you, Lord, in, uh, in this series on what is true forgiveness. And it's a uh, part two of the parable of the, um, uh, of the unmerciful servant. So uh, this is part two. It's a, uh, you know, the parable is, 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 is tremendous. It's overwhelming. Uh, the insights and the importance of this parable cannot be overstated. It's uh, we did part one last time, as I said, um, and Lord willing, we'll finish part two this time. We actually uh, we went over this in Bible study this morning with uh, with all the guys in the ministry, the leaders. We did this for our Bible study and it was extremely fruitful. The, uh, I mean, just everybody was locked in and paying attention and just very, very moved by uh, by what was here. And when I say moved, I mean moved to repentance, move to want to make sure that we are living an increasingly forgiving life and that we are growing and maturing in forgiveness. So it was a good Bible study today, um, just blessed by the guys. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us this parable. When you walk the earth, our God, our King, our Master, our Savior, Jesus, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to be merciful servants, Lord. Help us to learn from this parable of the unmerciful servant. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Father, lead us and guide us that none of us need come under the tremendous discipline that comes on those who are unwilling to forgive. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, part two, the imparable of the merciful servant. I'm gonna read the whole thing again and then I'll you know just do a very short review and we'll pick up where we left off last time. <clears throat> Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? <clears throat> Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, 
and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, Father. Look at the end of this chapter, the end of this parable. Look at Jesus' final words, y'all. Let them sink in. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So this obviously means our brother, our sister, um, everyone, okay? We are called to be people that live in forgiveness, okay? Um, the first teaching of this series, we spoke about, you know, what is true forgiveness? And, you know, the first teaching was really, you know, we brought home about understanding our own depravity. Ultimately, this servant who represents us, you know, did not extend forgiveness in any way toward the person that was in his debt uh, because he didn't understand the immensity of the debt he had been forgiven. So uh, you remember that this whole thing comes from Peter, you know, asking Jesus. Peter thinks he's pious. We said last time that, you know, in, in Jesus's day, in Peter's day, you know, the, the, the Jewish people had a, you know, uh, had a rule that you would you would forgive someone three times. And, and, that, and, and they, were, they were doing that to be pious. They were doing that because, you know, they knew that that they were sinners and they needed forgiveness. And so when Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21 and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter is showing that, you know, Peter's showing that he understands that with Jesus around, maybe the three times is not what it should be. But there's got to be a limit, Peter's thinking, right? I mean, let's not just think I'm just going to get wronged all the time and just keep forgiving now. So shall I do it up to seven times? So Peter's showing, you know what, Lord Jesus, I'll go double to what everyone says I have to do. And I'll even add one to that. Let's say up to seven times. And then Jesus is going to let Peter know that, that, that his heart is wrong on the matter. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's really what it's about is not keeping a ledger not keeping account of all the wrong that's been done to us, okay? Because Jesus tells him not seven times, but 77. And many manuscripts say 70 times seven, which would be 490 times. And the meaning is clear, as we said, right? That that there, there is no limit. Now, we again, we've talked about the whole series is called What is True Forgiveness? Because many of us know that, that we're commanded, indeed demanded, to be forgiving. 
but we'll find ways to say the words, I forgive, but I don't forget. I'm not going to continue to put myself in, in a bad situation. And of course, there are elements of truth to all of this, okay? But but true forgiveness um, is, is when you genuinely forgive, you don't hold it against that person, and you don't desire justice. You don't desire that person to be hurt or harmed. You give them over to Jesus and and you and you want what the Lord wants for them. Lord, I give this person to you, you know, however way you've been treated or hurt or harmed or betrayed in any way that I've been, right? We we give it unto Jesus and we, you know, we say, Lord, your your will be done on the matter. I ask for your blessing, your favor and your mercy on that person that was that gossiped about me or spoke poorly of me or mistreated me or betrayed me or took advantage of me um, or hurt me or, or caused pain or whatever the situation is, right? And obviously some situations are a lot worse than others, right? But ultimately we want to get to where we forgive our brother and sister from the heart. The guys and I talked this morning about that the way we know we haven't reached full forgiveness yet. Now, again, genuine forgiveness is, is, is a choice, right? We're going to choose to forgive them. We'll pray for the Lord's blessing on them. Um, you know, we're not going to go out of our way to make sure that person is hurt. We don't have malice in our heart. Remember, malice is when you want harm to come to another person. And again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, some of the things that have been done to folks are horrible, Right. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're wrong, right? They're, they're just, they're terrible. Um, and then some of the things done against us aren't that bad, but they feel bad, right? When someone speaks poorly of us, that's not the end of the world, but, but we can, you would have thought we, you know, that our house was stolen or something, right? Um, again, so we can feel violated. We can be, we can feel betrayed. Um, we can be angry because people have misrepresented us, spoken ill of us, um, you know, gossiped about us, um, talked about us in a negative way. Uh, they may always bring up our negative qualities. They may not say anything good about you. And again, we want to look inside our own hearts because that's that's what this parable is really about. So again, um, Jesus gets into the parable and the king, right, is Jesus, our heavenly father, the Holy Spirit. And, and he's settling accounts, right? Um, verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. There's a time when our account will need to be settled. There's a time when we're going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. When we leave this life and we're going to have to give an account, we're going to have to settle accounts with Jesus for how we lived our lives. Now, if we are genuine Christians, if we're truly saved, our sin debt which is what this parable is about. Our debt of sin will be paid by Christ at the cross. If you're a genuine Christian, it's already been paid. If you've truly received Jesus, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, your sin debt, every sin you ever have committed and accumulated has been paid by Jesus at the cross. You're forgiven. You have eternal life You've been delivered from the wrath of God the Father in eternal hell, and you will go to heaven when you die. If you've genuinely received Christ, if you're currently trusting, relying, literally clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. When you stand before Jesus, you will give an account for your life. I'll give an account. 
And depending on how we've lived our lives and emulated Jesus and obeyed the word of God, we will be given a reward in heaven. You don't get to heaven by anything you've done, but only by trusting in Jesus, receiving the free gift of salvation. But your reward in heaven and my reward will be entirely based on how we lived our lives and cooperated with the Holy Spirit in obeying the word of God and an advancement and in advancement of the kingdom of God, the son of God, the word of God. How much are you serving the kingdom of God with your time, your talents, your money? How much are you obeying the word of God? And, and that's what your reward in heaven will be based on. So, so none of us get to heaven by anything we've done, by only by trusting in what Christ has done on our behalf. But no one will have the same reward in heaven, okay? Um, and so there will be a time when we settle accounts. Now, also, I'll mention here that for, for all the people in the world who have not received Christ, for any single human being who has not received Jesus as their Savior, they don't have eternal life, they too will stand and receive a judgment and no one will make heaven if they have not received Jesus, if they've rejected Jesus, if Jesus wasn't their savior. And they will be assigned a particular place in hell that's, that's consistent with the level of evil they lived in their lives. So no one has the same reward in heaven. No one has the same punishment in hell. Okay. Verse 24, as he began to the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 ta talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Okay. We talked about last time that 10,000 talents, one talent in Jesus's day was, was equal to 20 years of a man's wages, which at that time would be a lifetime because people only lived to around 30, right? So, so a talent would basically be a lifetime of wages. This man owed 10,000 talents. Remember, Jesus created this parable. And what he's trying to teach here is the massive debt that we've accrued and have added to the debt of sin that we have, we have accumulated in our lives. Every sin we've commuted in our, uh, committed in our, in our thoughts, words, and actions and deeds has, has accumulated a sin debt. All of us are in debt, and that debt has to be satisfied, okay? Our sin debt can be satisfied in two ways. Either we can receive the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord, placing our full trust, confidence, and reliance in Him alone for the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our soul. Or the other way to satisfy the debt is to spend an eternity in hell where for all eternity we'll pay for our sin debt ourselves. Either way, the debt is satisfied. Earnestly, I'm begging a kingdom discipleship, our heart and love is that everyone, all eight point, what is it? Two billion people, right? Eight billion, 200 million people in the world would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So they, they do not remain under, under the wrath of God, our Father, and they do not have to pay their own sin debt in hell. You want your sin debt to be canceled at the cross, right? So again, 10,000 talents. One talent was a lifetime of work. We talked about last time that 
you know, 20 years of a person's wages. If you looked at that in today's money, let's say a person made $50,000 a year, 20 years of wages would be a million dollars. Okay. So that, that'd be one talent would be a million dollars in today's money, right? 10 talents would be 10 million. A hundred talents would be a hundred million. A thousand talents would be a billion dollars. 10,000 talents in today's money would be $10 billion. Okay, so Jesus has created this parable to show us how immense our debt is. Remember, we are the servant in this parable, and this is the weight. This is the amount of the debt that's been forgiven. This is how massive the forgiveness of our sin really, really is, right? It's so bad that our God, God the Son, Jesus, had to become a human man to pay the debt for us. That was the only appropriate payment for how awful and horrible and terrible and wicked and vile and evil our sin really is. That our God, God the Son, Jesus, had to become a human man, live a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, die a torturous death on the cross that we should have died, right? And, and then be raised from the dead. And when we genuinely receive Jesus as our Savior, the incredible exchange of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the Christian gospel, the good news, the exchange of the cross is that when I've trusted in Jesus, when I've received Jesus as my Savior, when, I, when I've genuinely called out and received Christ into my heart, knowing my desperate need of him, knowing that I'm hopeless, helpless, desperate, headed to hell without him, when I genuinely receive Christ as my Savior, all of my sin, past, present, and future, is actually credited to Jesus, credited to Jesus at the cross. And that perfect righteous life he lived on our behalf is, is given to me. It's given to us. The exchange is the perfect righteous life he actually lived when he walked the earth is credited to you and me as if we lived it. We didn't live it, but it's credited to us if we did in all of my wicked, evil, heinous sin that I'll have ever committed, that entire sin debt is credited to Jesus at the cross. He opened his arms in love. You, na you nailed the left spike. I nailed the right spike. Every one of us nailed Jesus to that cross. That exchange, his perfect righteous life for my terrible sinless life, that's the heart of the Christian gospel. There, there are no words for it, right? Wow. So... The servant begs, right? He falls on his knees and says, be patient with me. He begged and I will pay back everything. Um, it says the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. That's the debt we've been forgiven. Any genuine Christian has been forgiven this immense 10,000, 10,000 lifetimes it would take to pay back this debt. It just shows to show you it could never be paid except by Christ. Imagine having to live in hell for 10,000 lifetimes, but the truth is the interest is so bad it never gets paid. It's either paid entirely and wiped clean, interest and all, by Christ and receiving him, or we spend an eternity in hell because the interest never stops accruing because the sin debt is so bad. Wow, Lord. Have mercy on us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So this man pays, this man begs for patience. The master took pity on him. And if we've received Christ by the pity of our heavenly father, our debt has been canceled. It's been paid by Jesus. 
but the debt's been canceled. It's finished. It's been paid for by Jesus Christ, our Lord at the cross. Well, look at this man. Now imagine if this happened to you. Put yourself in that situation. Not only were you going to be sold into slavery for the rest of your life, but your wife and all your children were going to be sold into slavery for the rest of their lives. And then imagine you're in that position. And you're not even thinking about you now. You're thinking about your wife or your husband and your children. And all of a sudden you beg and you hear the king say, I cancel the debt. I forgive it. Imagine the euphoria Imagine the peace. Imagine the otherworldly joy. Imagine you wouldn't even know what to say. You would be so overwhelmed. You, 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 would, you would not be able to comprehend. It's forgiven. I'm not going to prison. I'm not going to be tortured. My wife and children are not going to be slaves. I'm not going to be a slave. I'm not going to be sold into slavery. You would think that this man would be the most loving forgiving man. And this is the picture for us. We have been forgiven so immensely, a 10,000 lifetime debt, a debt that, that clearly Jesus who created this parable is saying could never possibly be repaid, not in one lifetime, not in 10, not in a thousand lifetimes. Could we make up for the wrong we've done in sin? But instead of this man walking out in peace and saying, I love everybody. I'm going to bless everybody. I'm going to live my life in forgiveness and love and helping other people forgive. I am going to, man, Lord Jesus, that's what we need to understand. That's how we have to live. But instead, this is how we can live often as Christians. Look at what happens. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, this is serious. So again, when we're wrong, sometimes we're wrong badly. But the greatest wrong that could ever be done to us, whatever you could think of, or harm that can be done to us, it cannot be compared to the weight of sin. I know that's hard to understand. Again, the great problem with our forgiveness is we, we don't think we're as bad as bad people. And certainly there are sins that are worse than others, but we are really bad. So this servant owes him 100 denarii. That's, a, that's three months of a man's wages or a woman's wages. So 100 denarii is equal. A denarii was about a day's wages. So it's about three months pay. So it's something, right? But you'll notice the man won't even negotiate the debt. He won't even have mercy. He won't even give the man more time. Look what happens. He found one of his servants who owed him 100 denarii. Look at this. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what, he owe, what you owe me, he demanded. He just left. Look what it said. But when that servant went out, he just left the king's presence. He, he, just, he just was forgiven this incomprehensible thing. He was let off from being a slave. His wife, all his kids were let off. And he, and he immediately forgets that. Finds someone who owes him a good sum of money, three months wages. Begins to choke him, physically violent. He, he, and he began to choke him, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Look what verse 29, look what the servant says. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. It's interesting. The servant says the same thing to him as he said to the king. When he said this to the king, the king canceled the debt. Said, I cancel the debt. But look what this guy does when the servant says to him the same thing, verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This is unthinkable. And the man had just been forgiven 
a debt that is incomprehensible. That's what we've been forgiven at the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You would think that he himself would be operating in this, in, a, in some measure of a spirit of forgiveness, right? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Again, and imagine if you were there and you saw this, and you knew the immensity of the debt, and yet you saw that, that again, this was a lot of money. He could have at least said to the man, brother, I love you. Give me a hug. Take as much time as you need. If you need more time, let me know if I can help you in any other way. He should have shown mercy. Remember, we've been shown immense mercy. I've said this before. If I could only pick one attribute, and I love all the virtues of our triune God. I love his grace. I love his love. I, you know, I just, I, I love his majesty. I love all of his tremendous virtues. If I had to pick one, I think I'd pick mercy because that's what I need. We need mercy. Mercy is when we do not get the punishment that we absolutely deserve. When we've, when we've been shown mercy from our Heavenly Father, we're not getting the punishment that we deserve, which is an eternity in hell, right? And so when we show others mercy, we're not demanding that they get all the justice, all the, 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 you know, the, the payment of justice that they deserve, right? Justice for us, if we got what we deserved as sinners, it would be an eternity in hell separated from our, our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what we deserved. But we received mercy. When the other servants saw what had happened, verse 31, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. So the other servants go to the king. They're so distressed. And they explain this man's not only unwillingness to forget, but the man wouldn't even negotiate the debt, as I've said. He has this man thrown into prison and puts the man's family in just a horrible place. And, and again, all of us can, can kind of hear what I'm saying. And we would recognize that if we saw this and we understood, you know, how terrible, you know, our debt was and how terrible this individual man's debt was. And again, you can, you can make up whatever you want, right? Let's say, let's say we saw a man that had, that had been forgiven, you know, for stealing $5 million. And we knew the man had been forgiven for stealing $5 million from someone. And the man had, you know, the person he stole from had mercy on him. And we, and we knew that. And yet we saw this man have $100 stolen from him and he would not forgive. And, you know, he was belligerent. And the man apologized to him and said, I'm sorry, it was wrong. Let me pay it back. He said, nope, you're going to jail. Well, we would be like, are you crazy? You stole $5 million. That's 30 years in jail, or I don't know what it is. 20 years in jail, 10 years in jail. Someone stole 100 bucks from you, and all they did was confess and beg that you pay it back, and you, you throw them down into jail, right? So again, obviously, there are consequences for our, for our wrong, right? But 
But in light of all we've been forgiven, again, we want to lovingly give our situations to Jesus, right? Then the master called, verse 32, the servant in. The Lord, the Lord knows how we're living our lives. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. And here's the meaning. Here, here is the substance of it all. Verse 33. Here's, here's the theme of the parable. Verse 33. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? There it is. Matthew 18, 33. This is what Jesus is explaining to us. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? We have been shown such an immense mercy. There are no words for it. We need to be people of mercy. The great beatitude in Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Lord, help us to be merciful. Help us to be merciful, Lord, to all people in our lives and all that have wronged us. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Verse 34, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Look at the discipline. Again, it's been said, if you're a genuine Christian today, if you're truly saved and you're not unwilling and you are unwilling to live a life of forgiveness and growing forgiveness, you will have a miserable life. I will have a miserable life. If we are unwilling to forgive and we ought to have a lifestyle of growing forgiveness. Now, maturing in forgiveness is different than forgiving. The more we mature in forgiveness, the more we understand how much we've been forgiven. But again, an unwillingness to genuinely forgive from our heart, which is to just simply give them over to Jesus and then to grow in our forgiveness and mature and even to pray for the Lord's best for them, right? I know it's hard. I know some awful things have been done to people and have been done to all of us. And certainly more, more awful things have been done to some than others. But all of us have been forgiven an unpayable debt. And if we're unwilling to forgive, again, we will live a life of, of misery. We really will as Christians. And, and again, if we're, if we're completely unwilling to forgive, that may be a sign that we're not even a genuine Christian. We may not even be saved. If you can look into your heart and you have no pity on someone and all you do is want harm to come to people that have done wrong, there's a good chance you're not a real Christian. Look at 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Jesus speaking, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So again, what are we saying here? Uh, what is true forgiveness is, is again, to forgive from our heart. Doesn't mean we still don't have some frustration in there. Doesn't mean we don't experience pain and hurt, right? And some, some things that have been wronged us are terrible, but we more and more want to grow out of that. And the completion of it all would be where, where you could think about the wrong done to you or the betrayal uh, or just, you know, how someone has hurt you or been selfish towards you. And really, even when you think about it, you've, you've basically forgotten to be upset about it. You actually just, you want the Lord's blessed on that person's life, right? That would be the, the ultimate of this. But it begins with a willingness to forgive and to give the person over to Jesus and say, Lord, you, you handle them. I give them to you. I thank you for what you have forgiven me. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. I ask you to help us, Lord. I ask you to help us to live lives of true forgiveness. Lord, there can be no doubt 
that some awful things have been done to people, Lord. All of us, Lord, have been sinful. All of us have wronged others in certain ways. But Lord, even, you know, help us to forgive the little things. Help us to forgive the big things. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us into this healing of forgiveness. And Lord, the truth is we don't, we don't want to come under our Heavenly Father's discipline. So Lord, we do ask you to bring to mind any we haven't forgiven and help us to walk in this process of going before you and literally saying, Lord, I forgive so-and-so for how they've wronged me. Father, we love you and bless you. Jesus, we thank you again for your word here. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our hearts now. Seal this message to our hearts. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live in the love of forgiveness more and more and more and more in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.